Hey there, this is Katie Chute. I'm a coach for highly motivated professionals and leaders who wish to elevate their careers and lives. I help them unleash their potential and stand in their strength. I'm a believer that courage is the key to transformational change in every area of our lives, our work, leadership, and our communities. This podcast is Choosing Courage, where we get curious about what it takes to live with guts and heart. Good vibes only. Don't worry, be happy. You can see these uplifting messages on Instagram posts and painted on wooden signs on the shelves of every Target and Home Goods in America. Now, this might be kind of controversial, but every time I see one of these signs, I roll my eyes. I'm not a curmudgeon or Oscar the Grouch, but I believe these messages reinforce our culture's assertion that positive emotions are good and negative emotions are bad. Susan David is a psychologist and wrote a book, Emotional Agility, that I read recently. And she talks about this idea of good and bad emotions. And she says, being positive has become a new form of moral correctness. Now, don't get me wrong. Being positive has plenty of great qualities. The problem is when it's abused, when positivity turns toxic. Toxic positivity is when you focus exclusively on positive things and ignore or repress negative emotions or the situations that can trigger them. We're conditioned to do this. It's even ingrained in our language. Every cloud has a silver lining. Look on the bright side. Cheer up, buttercup. And I'm not immune to it. I'm guilty too. When someone's telling you about their problems, it's much more comfortable to say, everything will work out in the end, or, you know, it, it could be worse. These are well-intended lies, and we tell them to each other and ourselves as a way to placate difficult emotions. But it's putting a Band-Aid over a bullet hole. What it does is deny, minimize, and invalidate the authentic human experience. When we suppress or gloss over by focusing on the positive, we judge and invalidate honest emotions, which are often rooted in fear, sadness, and anxiety. Now, this is different than gaining perspective on a situation. Telling yourself, okay, in the grand scheme of things, how important is this? Is a question that offers perspective. Telling yourself, there are people who have it much worse off. I need to get over it. Is judging and critical. You're shaming yourself for being human and having a full range of human emotions. Toxic positivity has even been proven to lead to higher levels of depression and anxiety. It seems kind of counterintuitive, but what happens is that when you shame, invalidate, and repress your emotions, you amplify them. It's a compounding effect that has serious mental health and even physical health repercussions, like poor sleep, digestive issues, and chronic headaches. And think about responding to a traumatic event. Toxic positivity tries to talk us out of our coping skills or allowing for actual processing and healing. This can intensify and prolong trauma's effects on the body and mind. It shows up in every area of our lives, 
personal heartbreak and grief, business leaders dealing with plummeting sales, communities grappling with prejudices, and even how we parent. So here's a real life moment that I find kind of funny in an ironic way. So picture this. Right now, I'm penning out this outline, and my three-year-old is next to me having an epic meltdown. It's been going on for so long. At this point, I honestly don't even remember what set him off. Maybe I peeled the banana the wrong way, but whatever it is, I don't know. But it's taking every ounce of willpower to hold back from saying, don't be upset. It's not that big a deal. Do you see how toxic positivity is instinctual? It's our first reaction to neutralizing, but really it has so many negative consequences. It's a quick reaction to neutralizing anything we don't want to deal with. Speaking of motherhood, this really showed up when I was a new mom. People always ask, so how's it going? How's life with baby? And I'd say what was expected of me. I would say, it's great. Motherhood is bliss. I am so fortunate to stay home with him full time. So many mothers would kill for this opportunity. I'm so lucky. It's really a joy. But inside, I was pretty miserable. Of course, I loved my son. And I really do feel lucky that I got to spend time with him when he was a baby. But in all actuality, I was lonely. And I had lost all sense of personal identity and purpose. But instead of accepting my emotions, I beat myself up over it, thinking, you ungrateful idiot, get over yourself. I shamed myself for how I truly felt, and it just made me feel so much worse. It was an endless feedback loop. There's this cartoon I saw a while back. It's of a woman swimming in choppy water. The people on the dock are cheering her on, you've got this. And she shouts back, I'm drowning. They cheer, you're superwoman. She says, I can't keep my head above water. They shout back, I don't know how you do it all. Can you please throw me a rope? Girl, you're a rock star. These messages are well-intended, but they deny you the support you need to deal with difficult emotions and situations. So what's the antidote? It's a concept called tragic optimism. In my opinion, the name kind of sucks. Like, how can you associate tragedy and be optimistic? Or it implies that the concept is only relevant to situations that are in the tragic category and not daily struggles, which, which really do fall prey to toxic positivity. But let's walk through it, and we'll come up with our own way of saying it. This concept of tragic optimism was developed by the Austrian psychologist and Holocaust survivor, Viktor Frankl. In my opinion, the term makes more sense when you change the semantics. It's remaining optimistic in the face of tragedy. And to do that, he determined the way through struggle and difficult emotions is to find meaning. He says, this is done by finding meaning in a situation, by creating a work or doing a deed, experiencing something or encountering someone, as in love, transcending, learning, and finding meaning from the inevitable suffering which we will experience. Finding meaning doesn't mean finding happiness. 
happiness isn't always the goal. Fulfillment, enrichment, and feeling like you are contributing to something bigger than yourself, that is what will get you through tragedy. Here's an idea. Let's call this realistic optimism. Holding hope while acknowledging the reality of a situation, no matter how grim. This makes me think of the concept, the Stockdale Paradox, which was developed by Jim Collins. Jim Collins is a game-changing thought leader and author of leadership theories. His book, Good to Great, is a masterwork and should be required reading for anyone in leadership or really anyone who is committed to personal growth. In his book, Collins talks about a concept, the Stockdale Paradox, which he describes as, Productive change begins when you confront the brutal facts. You must maintain unwavering faith that you can and will prevail in the end, regardless of the difficulties, and at the same time, have the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. This concept was inspired by the story of Admiral Jim Stockdale, who was a prisoner of war for eight years in Vietnam. I'm going to read you a passage from the book where Collins reflects on the conversation he had with Stockdale. So Stockdale says, I never lost faith in the end of the story, he said when I asked him. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into a defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. I didn't say anything for many minutes, and we continued the slow walk toward the faculty club, Stockdale limping and arc-swinging his stiff leg that had never fully recovered from repeated torture. Finally, after about a hundred meters of silence, I asked, who didn't make it out? Oh, that's easy, he said. The optimists. The optimists? I don't understand, I said, now completely confused, given what he had said a hundred meters earlier. The optimists. Oh, they were the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come, and Christmas would go. And then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come and Easter would go, and then Thanksgiving, and then it would be Christmas again, and they died of a broken heart. Another long pause and more walking. Then he turned to me and said, this is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can't afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the brutal facts of your current reality whatever they might be. You guys, this is realistic optimism. Recognizing that brutal reality while having hope that you will see it through and find meaning from it all. Stockdale says he turned the experience into the defining event of life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. I mean, come on, talk about finding meaning from a dire situation. Those optimists that Stocktail describes were expressing toxic positivity. We'll be out by Christmas. Translation, this will all blow over. They suppressed reality, and we can assume also their authentic emotions and fear. And remember how suppressed emotions get amplified? 
That's why they didn't make it out. All right. Now here's an example that we can all relate to. The COVID-19 pandemic. At this point, it's safe to say that there is not a single person on earth who has not been affected by the pandemic. Lost loved ones and lost jobs, at-home virtual schooling, disrupted life plans, and the undercurrent of constant fear for the present and fear for the future. How do we as individuals and as a society cope with this crisis? You can take the toxic positivity route or embrace realistic optimism. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of toxic positivity through all of this. It was especially apparent in the early months before the magnitude of the situation could no longer be ignored. On social media, news media, messages from the government, there was this push to placate legitimate concerns. Messages like, here's a silver lining. This quarantine is a break from the daily grind, and you'll finally have time to work on that book you've always wanted to write. Or, this will all blow over by Easter. The virus will just disappear. But over time, I noticed the messages changed. People were saying that they found meaning in contributing to their communities, creating deeper connections and gratitude for their friends, family, teachers, and healthcare workers. And when this is all over, and who the hell knows when that's going to happen, I'm curious how when we look back, we're going to find meaning from this tragedy. How do you even go about this? How do we approach the struggles of the human existence? It's like the Buddhist saying, life is 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. We need to embrace paradox. Adopt the realistic optimism and the Stockdale paradox mindset. See reality and have hope that in the end, we will prevail. And we have to embrace a paradox that I like to call joy and sorrow heart set. Susan David says, life's beauty is inseparable from its fragility. This is the heart set. It's a paradox that in order to embrace the beauty of the human experience, we must recognize the fragility of the human experience. Susan David takes this idea further with the concept of emotional agility. The ability to get honest with our emotions, get curious about them, and use them as information to connect with our values and move through it. Connecting with your values is the key to finding that meaning that Stockdale and Frankel say is the way out. Your emotions are indicators of your values. Anger can be an indicator that you value justice. Anxiety at work can be an indicator that you value achievement. Embracing your authentic emotions and connecting them to your values is the way to find meaning. Now, it's not easy. We've been conditioned to follow the rules of toxic positivity, but it's the way through. You must courageously dive into your emotions and have compassion for them, not judgment. Adopt the paradox mindset and the joy and sorrow heart set, and you'll get through it. Be a realistic optimist. Recently, I was emailing with a client about this episode and my thoughts around toxic positivity. She wrote me back this message about a time when we were working through some of these issues. With her permission, I'm going to share it with you here. I'm remembering back to some of our coaching calls last summer 
when we talked a lot about the duality and making space to honor what felt like deep, dark, and bad emotions to me at the time. Your perspective on the wholeness of being human and the beauty and value of having a full range of emotions really helped me shift my own thinking and self-acknowledgement. I remember you asked a question like, what would it feel like to honor both the light and the dark that you're feeling? The week after that convo, I let myself cry in the shower, went on some long walks, got a set of watercolor paint, just spent some time with myself and paid more attention to my body and my heart. Not in a judgmental way, but as though I was setting the table and lighting candles to welcome and host all sides of myself. It felt good and cozy and nourishing. Around that time, I rediscovered the quote, grief can set you free. And I realized that this time I got what it meant. And shortly after that, I came across Mary Oliver's poem, The Uses of Sorrow. Someone I loved once gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to understand that this too was a gift. Thank you, dear client, for sharing with us your story of honoring the paradox of joy and sorrow. When I first started my career as a coach, I thought my distaste for good vibes only made me an inferior coach. Wasn't I supposed to be the sunny, motivational cheerleader? But now I see that my realistic optimism is actually what makes me a good coach. If you want glossy, shiny, don't worry, be happy, then I'm not your girl. I'm not going to pull the wool over your eyes and tell you that everything is full of sunshine and rainbows. But I will help you get curious about your emotions, get honest, recognize the struggle, and help you move through it. Let's go back to that Mary Oliver poem. Someone I loved once gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to understand that this too was a gift. In your life, what is the box of darkness you are holding? And what is the gift? Go to the show notes on my website for links to the books I've referenced and Susan David's fantastic TED Talk. If toxic positivity is something that's been getting in the way of how you work, live, lead, reach out to me at imchoosingcourage.com. Thanks so much for listening. This is Katie Tute, and I'm Choosing Courage.